0: Here at First United Methodist Church of Winsboro, we are a congregation that seeks to help people start where they are, discover who they are in Christ, connect with others, and follow Him. And we have a spot for you and your family. Join us for worship at 11 a.m. on Sunday. Find us on Facebook or YouTube to preview our services or see our upcoming events. And be sure to join us at 1502 West Street. This is Bradley Sweer, lead pastor, and I hope to see you Sunday. Our scripture today comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, beginning in verse 23. We read through verse 28. Let us now hear the Gospel according to Mark. One Sabbath, he, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. I invite you to be seated. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as Scripture is read, as Word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day. In your name we pray. Amen. We continue our worship series throughout the season of Lent today called What Makes a Hero, the Death Defying Ministry of Jesus Christ. And we continue it today with the dynamic uh, right versus wrong, and then adding holy. Right, wrong, and holy. So, just a reminder that this series is about answering the question what makes a hero? And we are looking at some of the comparisons each week and how heroes apply uh, to these struggles. And then most importantly, we are looking at these comparisons through the lens of Jesus and specifically how Jesus redefines what a true hero is. Last week we started with Batman. Today we talk about Spider-Man. Spider-Man Was arguably one of the most popular superheroes of all time. At first, if you've seen the comics, if you watch the movies, he was not a very proactive hero at the beginning. Right after receiving his powers, he had an opportunity to stop a fleeing thief. Uh, but he didn't because he was upset at the, uh, uh, the coordinator of the event that he was participating in. And the thief would steal his Uncle uh, Ben's car and in doing so uh, shot and killed Peter Parker's Uncle Ben. Peter then becomes very upset. He is full of guilt for not having done anything, even though he knew he could do something about it when the shooter ran by him. So he commits to using his life and his powers for the good of fighting crime. Prior to that incident, one of my favorite movie lines of all time, Uncle Ben had left a message on Peter's voicemail, and, all, and at the end of it he quotes the line which resonates, uh, resonates with me, and perhaps you know the line I'm talking about already. With great power, Comes great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. You know, in the stories that we read in the comics or that we read in in our books or we watch on TV, the hero always seems to know the right thing to do. Have you noticed that? They can easily distinguish what is right from what is wrong, even though they aren't always successful in the very beginning at times, they always know what is worth fighting for and what isn't. They know which direction to go, and which direction not to go, and they always end up doing what is right in the end. So the question for us this morning is this, what is right for Christians? What is right for followers of Christ? If we look at Scripture, sometimes Scripture can be very plain and black and white on what is right and what is not. Exodus chapter 20, where we find the Ten Commandments. It is very specific when it says, Doubt shalt not. Amen? So we know we are not to kill, we are not to have any other gods before us, we're not to steal, we're not to uh, um, bear false witness, you know, and we could go down the entire line. We are to honor our mother and father. So the scripture can be very obvious in that. But scripture can also be less than obvious. Have you read anything Jesus ever said? (laughs) Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 45. Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. This is where it gets funky. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Well, if you're like me, you read that verse and say, well, which is it, Jesus? The righteous or the unrighteous? Who gets rewarded here and who doesn't? Who gets the good? Who gets the, who, who's the bad? So that begs the question for us this morning, what then is right? What is wrong? How do we know what is right? Can doing right then also mean doing wrong? When asking these questions, uh, it, it takes, perhaps I'm not the only one, it takes us back to the story of, uh, of Robin Hood. You know, if we, we, we continue in the, the realm of, of the fictional characters, it takes me back to the ideas of Robin Hood stealing from the rich to give to the poor. Was he right or was he wrong? <laughs> we could debate that all day. Or we could use it as an example of real life and take a look at, at Rosa Parks. By not giving up, um, by not giving in to injustice, even though it meant breaking the rules at the time, Rosa Parks helped set this country on pace to fulfill the statement that we so often take for granted today, the statement that our country is really founded upon with liberty and justice for all. Hello? Sometimes doing the right things means society will see it as wrong. Sometimes doing the right things means society will see it as wrong. Sometimes doing right means breaking the norms. It means deviating from what is expected and can also on occasion mean breaking the rules. So then that begs us to ask another question. What are rules? Why do we have rules? What are they for? Well, rules are important, are they not? Rules are important. Let's take the Olympic Games, for, for instance. We're still trying to see if we're going to have some Olympics this year. I, they haven't got, gotten it together over in Japan, so I don't know if they're going to have Olympics, but I love watching the Olympic Games. Anybody else? I love watching the Olympic Games. And if you follow them like I do, you know that a few years ago that the Russian Federation got in a lot of trouble for being, for doping their athletes. And they were suspended. They could not even use the name Russia. Their athletes that were not found to have been doping were allowed to participate, but they had to participate under a neutral flag. They could not even represent their home country of Russia because of the sanctions brought down by the Olympic Committee for the country sponsoring the use of PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs, for their athletes. So there are rules that are in place for a good purpose. There are rules that keep the playing field even. Rules prevent one team or one area from gaining an unfair advantage over the other. In football, in baseball, we have rules designed to keep the game as even as possible. When that yellow handkerchief comes flying across the field on a football field, that means one team has unfairly tried to get an advantage. A holding call means even the playing field. It means the other team has tried to get an unfair advantage. Okay, I've hammered that enough. Rules have a place, amen? But as important as rules are, they aren't perfect, and they never will be. They aren't perfect, and they never will be. When the rules breed injustice, when the rules lead to abuse and discrimination we have to ask ourselves, who is making the rules? Why are they making them? And for what purpose do they serve? Let's take a look at an example of this in our scripture today from the Gospel of Mark. Jesus and the disciples were walking and they were hungry. And it was the Sabbath day and it was against the rules to pick food from the field on the Sabbath. Jesus said, do it anyway. And when questioned by the holy rollers that were walking by, he essentially throws their question back into their faces by bringing up an example of one of the most heralded rulers in Jewish history, King David. And and stop for a second, y'all. This wasn't Jesus telling them off. It wasn't Jesus, as they say today, burning them on their question or showing off. It was a way for Jesus to get them to think about the humanity of the rule that was in question. Are you with me? It was to get them to think about what is right in this situation, the humanity about what is going on. Jesus knew that the, better, uh, that the letter of the law uh, read, he knew what it said, But the reality was the genuine need for hunger existed in that moment and that need superseded the letter of the law in that moment. Which, in this particular moment, yet again, the letter of the law was simply words on paper. Rules are needed. Don't hear me incorrectly, okay? Rules are needed. They have a purpose. They have a reason. But just like on the day with his disciples, rules are never to stand in the way of grace. Do you hear me? Rules are never and have never been designed to stand in the way of grace. According to human and societal law, Jesus was a terrible rule breaker. Jesus uh, healed and fed on the Sabbath. Jesus dined with sinners and outcasts. But in reality, was Jesus doing anything wrong? No. Sure, people question him, but name one person who called Jesus wrong. Even Pontius Pilate, what did Pilate say when Jesus appeared before him at the trial? He cleaned his hands and said, I find no wrong within him. I find no basis for accusation against him. It's not that Jesus was breaking the rules. Rather, Jesus redefined the rules. Jesus redefined the rules. A few weeks ago, we, we talked about in, in, in a couple of messages where Jesus said, you have heard it was said. You remember when we talked about that? He says, you have heard it was said, and then he follows up with, but I say to you. Jesus never replaced any of the rules. He said even himself in Scripture, I have not come to replace the law. I have come to fulfill it. Jesus redefines the rules. Jesus sought to understand and amplify the law, bringing to mind what motivates us to do wrong, rather than focusing on the wrongdoing itself. Jesus has and will always focus and concentrate on the heart of people. The heart of people. The person not the action itself. According to Jesus, it wasn't about doing what is right in the eyes of society. It certainly wasn't about doing what was wrong. But to Jesus and to us today, it is entirely about doing what is holy. It is entirely about doing what is holy. A few weeks ago, we defined holy. We defined holy as being of God. This also follows up with last week's definition of good. Good is the word for the activity of God in this world. It is of God. Holy means of God. For his holiness, Jesus was placed on a cross. Jesus was put on a cross. The cross is our ultimate example of what it looks like to do what is holy rather than to do what is right or wrong. Jesus transformed this symbol of death and humiliation and crucifixion into a symbol of life, of hope, and eventually of conquering death. of of conquering humiliation. Jesus, again, redefines what society has said something should be. Jesus didn't submit to the cross because it was the right thing to do. Jesus submitted to the cross to show that God can transform even death itself. That God can use even death to create life. That God can use what society may see as wrong to turn it into something that is holy. Following Christ is not about being right or wrong. It's about continuing God's story through holiness of living. Through living in ways that are of God. Holiness ...is our calling as Christians. Yes, there is right. And rules help us understand the boundaries. And rules offer order to our daily life. They keep the playing field simple and and clean. And yes, there is wrong. Wrong can lead to sins. Sins of oppression sins that damage one's soul, the breaking of relationships, the desire of profit over people, there there is wrong in this world. The gospel calls us to an even higher calling though, than discerning right from wrong. We are called to do what is holy, what is of God, so that the eternal life of Christ Might be shared here, might be shared now, and that the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Christ might be shared forever. Jesus is a hero not because he fights for what is right and because he resists what is wrong. Life is not a series of choices, sisters and brothers. Rather, it is about our relationships with one another and our relationship with God. Our relationships with one another and our relationship with God. Jesus redefined the rules and brought them to completion so that we may have the opportunity to be a holy people. A people that are of God now does this mean we're going to do right every time does that mean we are called to be perfect absolutely not but we will do the best we can to be holy doesn't mean to be perfect to be holy doesn't mean that we're not going to mess up to be holy means we are striving after what is of God and that we can do that we can do So then what is holy? We've defined it, we've said it, but but how else can we more, more narrowly define what is holy? The Urban Dictionary Online provides a definition of the word holy that I love as an example. And I want to share that definition with you today. Take this with you, if nothing else, today. You can find it, of course, uh, with other points made every week in the sermon outline on your bulletin. Feel free to take that home each week. Use that as your reminders, whatever you need, and to follow along. But it's there every week for you. But listen to the definition of holy that the online Urban Dictionary gives us. To be holy is to be pure, innocent in all you say and do, having no hidden motives, wronging no one. It is to be as open-hearted as a little child, and transparent in spirit as the crystal sea before the throne. To be holy is to be a keeper of all promises and a restorer of all good things. Holiness is the in, holiness in the foundation of all right relationships and the standard for all actions of all people and all things. So, what would it look like? If we, the people of the church, strive to look like this? What would it look like if we, in our individual lives, strived to look like this? We are called to do more than simply follow the rules. If our calling in life is simply to follow the rules, we can stay inside of these four walls and not risk doing anything to change our lives or the lives of the people outside those doors. But that's not what we're called to do. As children of God, we are called to be holy. Jesus taught that the gospel is about more than being right. The gospel is more, is more than about being wrong. The gospel... Is about being holy. And that is the message of our gospel today. How are we redefining what it is that society says is good, is right? How are we redefining what society says is wrong? Because I got a newsflash, folks. It's not about what society says. It's about what Jesus demonstrated first. And that is how we are called to live the right versus wrong and holy life. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.